the band farewells another member of the front line and contemplates the future. Who walks in when I walk out? Who gives you that hidey high? Baby, who's that who I'm talking about? You're listening to episode eight of the podcast Who Walks In? The Story of the New Harlem Jazz Band. My name's Bill Morris. On June 20th, 1986, New Harlem played for the Peninsula Jazz Club at the Ranelagh Club at Mount Eliza. Bob Gilbert was unavailable and Frank Stewart took his place. The night's program was the usual mix of jazz classics such as Sweet Lorraine and Panama, as well as material from the Drop Me Off in Carlton album. I suspect Neil's version of Amos Milburn's Blues in the Bottle song, originally released in 1950, may have raised a few eyebrows. A song about drinking, and I'm sure none of you here would have to worry about this, I think, I hope. Left home this morning, promised I would think, stay real straight and sober. I swore I wouldn't drink bad, bad whiskey, bad, bad whiskey. Started out on soda and ended 
fuck sought redemption and a full dance floor with this one. smoke I used to drink I used to smoke drink dance a hoochie coo I used to smoke and drink smoke and drink and dance a hoochie coo and now we stand on the corner praying for me and you
that soul said, call me, beating on my big bass drum. Nineteen eighty six had been a successful and enjoyable year at the railway, with the band playing a wide range of material. Sam Morgan's short dress gal first recorded in the 20s in New Orleans, was introduced into the repertoire during the year. Here's New Harlem in December, with Frank Stewart filling in for Bob Gilbert and Sandra and Pat on the vocal.
two weeks later, on December 20th at the railway, Pat introduced the band for the last time for the year and, sadly, said farewell to another highly valued member. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. You've been listening to the music of the new Harlem band. We've had a terrific year here at the Railway Hotel. We've had a wonderful 1986. This is our last night for this year. We uh, look forward to seeing you all again in 1987 and hope you have a very happy holiday. We'd like to take this opportunity to introduce the members of the band to you and I hope that you'll uh, make them happy. First of all, we have on tuba, Mr. Bill Morris. And on drums, Richard Opat. On the alto saxophone, Frank Stewart. On the piano, the one and only Neil Orchard. And standing in for the wonderful Charlie Farley tonight, who's in, should be just getting into Heath, Heath Row about now. We have, of course, John Scurry on the guitar and banjo. And it's now time for us to bid a fond farewell to one particular member of our band, because uh, he's taking leave without pay for next year. <laughs> We're speaking of Sandro Donati here. My old friend Sandro, and he's, uh, he won't be with us next year, and uh, so uh, we hope that you'll still come back and see us, even though the Oscar-winning rabbit isn't with us. And uh, how about a big round of applause also for Judy Jarks tonight, who had a bit of a scene. My name's Pat Miller on uh, clarinet and tenor sax. We're going we're gonna to finish off the night with this little tune called Blues by Five. Early in 1987, it was great to welcome Bob Gilbert back, after his absence, dealing with some significant health issues. With Sandro no longer around, there was still a vacancy in the front line. The band was pleased when Frank Stewart, who had filled in for Bob quite a bit in 1986, agreed to join. New Harlem now had an all-reed front line. But Frank hadn't always been a reed player, his interest in jazz started quite early. I was at school with Ray Lewis and John Kent, people that sort of I'd grown up all my life with. John Hawes was playing down at Jazz Junction in Mooney Ponds. We all grew up in the sort of Essendon area. So somebody went down and heard John Hawes and then Ray turned up with the John Hawes EP. So that would have been 1963, 64, I guess. So I was 13. 
we decided, well, this can't be so hard. We want to form a band. So we went out and bought instruments. I bought a banjo. Ray got a trumpet. John Kent had a bit of a drum kit and a few other kids. And we just tried for 12 months doing nothing, you know, trying to play music with no idea what we were doing. And then we sort of really got into the Red Onions. This is about 65 by this stage, I guess. And I'd bought a tuba by then. We had a band called the Silver Leaf Jazz Band and we played at the we played at the um Q convention in sixty six Christmas sixty six and we thought we were the bees knees and I was hearing it later on, it wasn't so good. But um it was just the enthusiasm of teenagers, I think. Frank remembers seeing Conrad Joyce at the Melbourne convention. He was playing with another young band. At that um convention in Melbourne, you know, I had my sousaphone because um Conrad only had a upright tuba I thought I'll show him and the bastard turned up with a double bass and um they sort of changed their style of music more into that sort of loose New Orleans music so I got a bit annoyed and um after that I don't think I ever played tuba again I went out and bought a bass straight after the convention so we always had this rivalry with these guys from down sort of Bay Morris Brighton way you know I've, gi- I've given up the banjo I've given up the tuba I'm now on double bass and then I started meeting lots of other people, you know, Nick Polites and people like that, and I started playing with them. And I ended up in Barry Ratton's band playing at Frank Trainer's on Friday nights, and it was just, you know, a beaut scene. In February 1969, the Yarra Yarra Jazz Band set out on a European tour. Five months later, I got a letter from Maury Garbutt from England saying that uh, Dave Myers wants to leave the band. Would I be interested in coming to England? Well, it was, you can imagine, it was just a bloody dream. I mean, I'd seen him off on the boat, and uh, five months later, he's asking me to come. But the only fly in the ointment was I was going to turn 20 in that six months, and you couldn't get a passport until you registered for national service. So that was a bummer, but I didn't get, I had to wait till sort of September to be told they didn't want me, and I was off. So um, next thing, I'm in London living in a house with the Yarras, and we're travelling all over Europe, and it was just a dream, you know. Singer Kay Younger joined the Yarras for a tour to Denmark and other countries. Frank and Kay married in 1970, returned to Australia, and by 1972 they were playing with the Yarras again. But there were still a few other instruments Frank hadn't tried. Oh, then I went to the, the 1972 convention with the Yarras in Adelaide and uh, suddenly I saw Pat Miller playing tenor and he was unbelievable, I thought at the time. And I said, I've got to do that. I want a saxophone. So straight after the convention, I came back, bought a saxophone. I was living in Hampton, and Pat used to come down and show me a few things on the sax. So really, I suppose the only sax lessons I've ever had have been from Pat Miller. Frank continued playing bass with the Errors and then returned to England. By the time he and Kay and their two children returned to Australia in 1983, Frank had pretty much given up playing music. A New Orleans brass band was being put together and Pat was in that and Maury and um, Les Fittle and there's 12 guys in it. So through that brass band, you know, I got to know Pat again really well by that stage and then um, I was playing alto, no more bass, and uh, then I get a phone call at work one day from Pat saying, oh, Frank, um, Bob Gilbert's not well. Would you be interested in sort of filling in? Because I think you're playing at the um, station or the railway, whatever it was, in Windsor. For New Harlem, there weren't as many gigs and they weren't as easy to come by. They continued playing at the Railway Hotel in Windsor on Saturday nights throughout 1987. 
but didn't return in 1988. The band played at the Montsalvat Jazz Festival on Sunday, January 24th, but the rest of the first half of 1988 was pretty quiet. There were a few one-off gigs in and out of Melbourne, and the band played for the Victorian Jazz Club at the Museum Hotel, and in June 1988 for the Peninsula Jazz Club. New Harlem had been going for 20 years, and a 20th birthday bash was held at Diana Allen's Club 177, which included sets by various versions of the band. A cassette was put together and released to celebrate the occasion. 24 tracks were selected from the band's recordings, and the current lineup went into Dex Studios and recorded a further four tracks. Chris Farley sang the rather unusual Bowl Weevil song. It had its origins as a traditional blues song, with versions by many artists, including Lead Belly. Brooke Benton had a hit with it in 1961. Well, the first time I saw the Bowl Weevil was standing by the square. Next time I saw the Bowl Weevil, he had his whole darn family there. They were looking for a home. They were looking for a home. Well, the Bowl Weevil said to his ever loving wife, When you get up and stand on your two big feet, look over yonder and I can solve all the problems. To eat, we'll have a home. We'll have a call it jazz if it hasn't got a slide trombone. 
night Then a woman made me nervous Stood right where she could observe us Then she gave us all a terrible fright When she opened up her mouth and started to shout Frank Stewart proved he should step up to the vocal mic more often with his version of Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Moe.
Johnny Moe Catch troubles by the toe If they holler, let him go Let him fly away Eeny, meeny, miny, moe It's the same high and low Here and anywhere you go Any time of day Big Ben rings it Belly sings it White man swings it Even Mr. Crosby pings it Eeny, meeny, miny, moe Catch your troubles by the toe If they holler, let him go Let him fly away Cassette was a good representative selection of the band's first 20 years. The cover byline said, It's typical of what we were trying to do at the time. On Friday, August 26th, Graham Osborne wrote in The Age, It's farewell time to one of the veteran bands on the Melbourne jazz scene. The New Harlem Jazz Band is throwing in the towel after 20 years of facelifts and changing lineups. On Sunday, at the Fountain Inn in Port Melbourne, the final lineup will provide the sound for what should be some wake. And it was. The band had decided that 20 years was probably enough. A big crowd, including ex-members, gathered at the Fountain Inn on Sunday, August the 28th, 1988, for New Harlem's final gig. And that was just a terrific afternoon. Great crowd and uh, Smithy and uh, and uh, Ludwig and uh, Ian Fleming and Jeff Parks, all not all but uh, uh, Doug Rawson. To see those guys up there again playing was just fantastic because um, twenty years back then seemed like an absolute age <laughs> for a band to have been playing. So that's the end of the story. But really, it's not. Porsche Faces Life. The story of a courageous and beautiful woman. 
stakes and as they swing for home it's far left taking over to lead well from Hallmark, Night March and Peter Pan. Here's Carbine finishing Let's go over and meet my good right hand and that clever bloke from Melbourne, the school teacher, Barry Jones. This is Music for Dancing. Ladies and gentlemen, our melody makers this week, Radio Days. After New Harlem's final gig, Neil, Richard, Chris, Bill, Bob and Pat planned a new band, which had its genesis in a trip to the country that took place earlier in the year. We had a gig in the country which Frank didn't want to do in Colac. And I said, well, why don't we play some tunes that I like and you guys haven't ever heard of? <laughs> I knew the melody. Bob Gilbert could play anything. It was just a small band and we played things like Moon Over Miami, I remember. And uh, we had a practice not long after that where we started saying, amongst other things like 20 years is long enough. <laughs> we liked what we played at the Country Kitchen in Colac. Have you got any more of that stuff? And I said, man, I got a million of them. Former New Harlem tuba player Jeff Parks, now playing guitar and sax, came on board as the third member of the All Reed Frontline. Pat stayed up late at night writing arrangements for the band. Jeff made music stands, and promotion and publicity went into full swing. The band went into Dex Studios to record a short promotional cassette, which was mailed to prospective clients. Yes, friends, once again it's time to leave you. We'll be back with Radio Days real soon with the same cheery and happy show you all love so much. So until then, this is your Master of Ceremonies, Lou Herman, bidding you au revoir and pleasant dreams. Good night and thanks for the use of your loudspeaker. There's a catchy melody I know How I love to hear on the radio It takes me back to days not long ago when I used to hear By early 1989, Radio Days was working regularly and did so for the next six or seven years. A feature of the band was that all members contributed vocals. Jeff Parks proved to be a fine singer. Here he is singing Imagination from Radio Days' second album.
Imagination is funny It makes a cloudy day sunny Makes a bee think of honey Just as I think of you Imagination is crazy Your whole perspective gets hazy Starts you asking a daisy What to do, what to do Have you ever felt a gentle touch And then a kiss And then, and then Find it's only your imagination again Oh well Imagination Yes, silly You go around willy-nilly For example, I go around wanting Imagination is silly You go around willy-nilly For example, I go around wanting you And yet I can't imagine that you want me to After radio days, Jeff took another break from music. I got a dog named Ella, and if I played my saxophone, she would just howl. It was horrible. So I just put the saxophone under the bed for many years. And then in 2002, I moved down to East Gippsland. At some point, I got it into my head to start 
playing and singing again. I didn't even own a saxophone by then. And um, I recorded a CD. I actually had a funny little CD launch party on at Raymond Island at the community hall. But a bit later, the woman who ran the local wine bar in Painesville, I was in for a drink, she said, when are you going to play? come and play for us? I, it had never occurred to me to perform live. I thought, oh, well, sure, I can give that a go. Over the years, and it's been 10 or 12 or more, I've gained a lot of confidence and I do quite a lot of gigs, either solo or with a, a good buddy who plays very good sax. There's a young lass who's just recently turned 18, Annie Rogers, who's played quite a few gigs with me when the usual guy's not available. After it was decided to give Radio Days a rest, at least for the next 20 years, Pat Miller enjoyed the break from his duties as the band's arranger and frontman. But, as always, he continued to be in demand as a reed player. I played a lot with Des Cam in Geelong, uh, Huey de Rosario with the, the Night Owls, a band that I'm still running today called the New Night Owls since poor old Huey uh, died. And uh, if the phone rings, I'll go and play, always ready to intervene. Richard Opat's phone rings pretty frequently too. He's been in demand constantly to play drums and washboard. And Chris Farley also kept busy. And I was asked to join the Maple Leaf Jazz Band and I was with them for about four and a half years and then I was asked to join uh, the New Melbourne Jazz Band and I've been with them for 22 years. (laughs) During the period that Radio Days was active, Neil Orchard became ill and was unable to continue playing. As we've heard throughout this podcast, Neil made a huge contribution as a member of New Harlem for many years, at the piano and as a vocalist. He did the same with Radio Days. Richard Opat, Chris Farley and I enjoy lunch with Neil when possible. This was the rhythm section lineup for many of New Harlem's 20 years. Lockie Thompson once described it as an armchair ride for the front line. Most of the other former members of New Harlem continued to play after leaving the band. Trombonist Tim Harding initially concentrated on his studies. in 71 and uh, I went to work in the public service and uh, I didn't actually go back to the trombone for about 14 years uh, and then uh, Tim Shaw invited me to uh, join up with the, the Cairo Club Orchestra because I could read music so I played with the uh, Cairo Club for a couple of years and then uh, I formed my own band which was the Cotton Club Orchestra so that was 1986 and I ran the Cotton Club Orchestra for 20 years until 2006. And by that stage, I was pretty busy working as a consultant. I didn't really have time to practice. I gave up 
both leading the Cotton Club Orchestra and I also gave up the trombone. I stopped really practicing the trombone in 2006, so basically I can't play anymore. The Cotton Club Orchestra playing Jig Walk with Tim on trombone. Pianist Doug Rawson spent six years in New Harlem. He continued playing in the years that followed as a member of a number of popular bands. He also worked regularly with comedian Maury Fields. And I, I was actually his piano player for seven years. We used to do a lot of work for all the footy, few of the footy clubs. They were called Pleasant Sunday Mornings, which were booze-ups. They'd start at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> You'd walk in the door and the first thing they'd do is give you a beer because they had barrels going. And uh, we'd play for about three hours and Maury would have... We'd played some jazz and then he'd have a couple of guest starters in. There were people like from Sunnyside Up, like Honest John Gilbert, who used to be a comedian. Maury would do an act and tell some gags. Um, Sid Halen, who was a very funny man. Sidney from Sydney used to call himself. He used to be there. After Steve Waddell started the Creole Bells, Doug became the band's pianist in 1978. joined him in 78 and here 40 years 41 years later we're still we're still going look I've been very lucky off here I am at 76 and a half and I'm still playing and I started playing at the age of about 21 I suppose yeah. Bells in 1989 playing Cakewalkin' Babies. After New Harlem finished, Frank Stewart found plenty of work to keep him busy. Ended up playing with Des Cam for three years, that's right. We ended up at the Bridge Hotel. Then I went on to play with Les Fiddle at a band called The Jazz Hot. Then, oh, by the end of the 90s, Barry Ratton came back from the States and um, I'd been playing a bit of bass again with the Louisiana Shakers and he saw me and said, I'm putting a band together. So I spent the next two or three years playing in Barry's Pelican Band as a double bass player again. And then I was getting on a bit. I was sort of hitting 50 and my, my arm wouldn't do it anymore. I was getting these incredible pains in my right arm. And uh, so that was the end of a bass career. So I was getting into the clarinet then. John Morrison had a band called Moody Valley. I was doing trio gigs all over the place on clarinet. And uh, basically, that's what I'm still doing. So I just play Albert System clarinet now and I love it. Thank you. 
That's Frank Stewart playing Darkness on the Delta with the late Andy Symes on guitar and Peter Gray on the bass. Drummer Robert Wood was also in demand. Well, after New Harlem, I played a lot with uh, Des Cam's band down in Geelong and in Melbourne. I joined uh, Huey's New Orleans Night Owls. Uh, that, that was with Hugh DeRosero and uh, Nick Polites. In recent years, I've been playing at the jazz, jazz festivals with uh, Des Cam, also last, last couple of years with Felix Blatt in a little quartet with uh, Gary Richardson and Charles Payne, which has been really good fun because that's it's very different to the uh, the traditional style of music I've been playing. So, uh, yeah, I've been quite busy, really. There were also gigs with trumpet legend John Hawes. After leaving New Harlem to go to England in 1982, Chris Ludwig returned to Australia in 1984. The Abbey got in touch with me, uh, said, oh, can, you, can you put a band together to uh, do six months at the Abbey because I'm going to pull this place down in January next year. Before I went, I actually had a band called Pran Market Jazz Band. We used to play every Saturday morning for two hours at the market. And that went for 25 years, actually, that band. Had Ian Smith and Dave Hetherington and these guys in it, yeah. They just wanted the band to play Friday, Saturdays for six months. So I, I asked the market band to do it, but Ian was already playing with some other band on Saturdays. Dave was, was already, already doing something else, so he, he could do it. So I got the rhythm section from there. Kyle Duffy on drums, Tony Orr on banjo, Pipe Vent on, on tuba. I, I knew that Peter's band had that stopped playing the uh, Blues Express. So I asked Peter whether he'd like to, to come and do these six months. He said, yeah, sure, I'm at a loose end, I'll come and do it. I said, we need a clarinet player. And he said, well, Richard Miller's not doing anything. Richard play, used to play with him in the Blues Express. Yeah. So we started off just, just, just playing stuff that we all knew and jamming it. At the end of the six months, the band moved to the Emerald Hotel. And by that time, we had a small a small loyal following who followed us there and we built that place up in about six months we couldn't move at the Emerald yeah? Friday nights was just jam packed anyway the rest is history I suppose Thank you. 
Syncopators, now in their 38th year, playing minor drag. Since leaving New Harlem, Sandro Donati has been involved in a range of musical projects. Whilst living at St Andrews, he and Judy operated their recording studio, Wild Dog Hill Studios. It was there that Judy's album Making Wings was recorded. The album won Best Australian Jazz Vocal Album in 2003. It's a fine piece of work. This track, Bird at the Kissing Gate, includes Sandro on the trumpet.
kiss for all your secrets trumpet so there's these floating harmonies these washes of harmony that, that aren't quite synthesized and then there's this beautiful guitar playing from Doug DeVries and you know and Howard, Howard Cairns on bass and Nicola Evely on the on the flute bass flute um, it was just a fantastic period it was just yeah just amazing we, we, we were fortunate enough to get a grant from the Australia Council, but of course we ended up borrowing a lot more. What's that to say? But on the ground, but in the tree, in the old pine tree, what's that to say? Another project Sandro worked on was his La Banda de Sandro. Friuli and visit the cousins and, and of course you go partying. There I learned, I picked up some of the early folk songs and my mother was always passionate about the language, the Friuli language and so she instilled that into me and when mum was quite ill um, I recorded her reciting some of the poetry in language and I put together a, a family tape of, of her poems and some of the folk songs. This led to Sandro putting a band together, recording and some gigs. Sandro was involved with organising the Eltham Jazz and Blues Festival for some years. And since moving to Flinders Island, Judy and Sandro have been involved in organising the Ferno Islands Festival and have participated in many other musical and cultural events. Over the years, almost all members of New Harlem had a proper job 
or were studying. That didn't mean that they took being in the band lightly. A willingness to attend weekly rehearsals is testament to that fact. Occasionally, band members left because they found the commitment too great. Not that long before he left New Harlem, Ian Smith had left his day job, working in the advertising industry. With no income from New Harlem, he briefly contemplated returning to working in advertising. But then I started to do freelance playing with different people, including Nick Polites was one of the first people, probably the first person to ring me up and offer me a gig. And I did a couple of things with Nick, and then the phone started to ring, and I realised that if I, if I dropped the profile down and just became a sort of a, a musician for hire for other people, I was going to be in a lot better shape financially. I became a freelance musician who would just go and play and do the best job I possibly could for whoever the band leader was in whatever band I was playing in and whatever instrument I was playing. And I, I was doing, I played for a couple of years in a band called the Crazy Cats. They had a couple of regular gigs and that was good. And I started playing regularly, doing depth gigs with Frank Trainer. And I, with Frank, I played tuba mainly, but I'd also played drums with him a few times and um, trumpet quite a bit. I'd never said no to a gig. If I could do it, I wasn't fussy about it. There were occasions where I'd do 12, 13 gigs a week. You know, did quite a bit of travelling. Went to Sacramento with the new Melbourne band, which was interesting. Ten years after I was there with Tom Baker, I was there with the new Melbourne band. And uh, then um, was in the Cathay Pacific Jazz Australia Band, which was organised by Rex Swan. We went off to Hong Kong to play at uh, the Excelsior Hotel. I was playing trumpet in that band for 10 years. And at the same time, and luckily nothing ever clashed majorly, but at the same time as a lot of that period, I was in a band called the Fireworks Jazz Band, or Hotter Than Six. And the Hotter Than Six Band went off to Sacramento five or six times and did a whole heap of touring around Europe and uh, other stuff in America and all over the place, New Zealand as well. I mean, who's going to complain about it, really? But I'm still, I still love the music and I'm still passionate about, about the music. At the moment, the, the little Sunday night band was the, the Rockets Quartet with Joe Stevenson. I mean, what a great little quartet. Stephen Grant at the piano and Joe. Chris plays the double bass at that gig and I play the drums. Joe Stevenson's a fantastic reeds player. And Stephen Grant, of course, who plays uh, with us, plays piano, is an amazing, amazing musician, but he'll never flaunt his amazingness on a gig.
Stevenson's Rockets playing Thou Swell. Sadly, not all former members of New Harlem are here to talk about what they did after they played in the band. Bob Gilbert played clarinet and saxophone with New Harlem for 15 years and was a founding member of Radio Days. He played on all the recordings the band made except for the first. Bob became ill during the last couple of years of New Harlem and had to miss some gigs. He battled on courageously and with good humour. He died far too young in February 1993. He made a huge contribution to the music we made and the fun we had making it. He's fondly remembered by all those who knew him through New Harlem. Murray Dan was an accomplished and admired banjo player and pianist when he joined New Harlem in late 1977. He's the banjoist on the band's first album for Bill Armstrong's Jazz and Jazz label, Never Swat a Fly. He played with the band for two years. He was in constant demand as a banjoist on the Melbourne scene after leaving New Harlem, and he travelled to the US with the Australian's jazz band, in 1982, a band that was formed to take Aid Monsborough to America. He was also a member of the Storyville Jazz Band. Murray died in November 1984. Cam Crofts joined New Harlem in 1974 and is the banjoist on the album The Band Made with Alex Frame. Cam made a great contribution to the band. He painted a huge New Harlem sign on the side of his large truck and would happily appear at a gig wearing a pith helmet or a fez. His large beard added to his visual impact. He had a great sense of humour and was a big fan of the goons. After moving his family and framing business to Sydney, Cam took up electric bass. He played with a husband and wife duo, playing jazzy pop in restaurants, then moved on to play double bass. Unfortunately, health problems stopped him playing some years ago. Those of us who played with him in New Harlem were saddened to hear of Cam's death in February 2021. We asked a question at the start of this podcast about how you go about starting a band. Clearly, there's no one way to start a band, but hopefully this podcast sheds some light on how one group of individuals came together and produced something that was greater than the sum of its parts. Most of those who joined Ian Smith in the early days, and came on board throughout the following years, were self-taught musicians who shared a love for the music the band played. Importantly, they also shared a willingness to put in the time to learn often quite complex arrangements, and had a desire to entertain an audience. Like many bands, New Harlem operated as a committee, which mostly worked pretty well. Here's a few final words from some of the 20 or so members. I think of it as unique. It was unlike any other jazz band. It understood the roots and at the same time it was very modern in its approach. It was commercial without being crass. It was popular without pandering to an audience. I don't think anybody in the band was such a great musician but as a band it was just 
so much fun and so musical and it wasn't just my opinion because we were popular. We did some good interesting jobs and everyone in the band was committed to getting it right. And that's a big difference. Love the early Ellington stuff that we did. I was really, really, really proud to to be a member of that band, yeah. And I think New Harlem was was fantastic because that's it was a collective, a true collective, yeah, dem- democracy sort of band. And everyone brought brought something, you know, contributed something to it, you know, in their their own way. You remember things like the the free entertainment in the parks, the my music bowl and the fest and Logan Street Festa and you know, we sort of really hammering it. Going right back to the New Harlem band days, one of the reasons why I've never really wanted to lead a band again is because leading a leading a committee band is really tricky. A band with seven different heads. An animal with seven different heads, you know. Um, but the other thing was at the time, really I think I had done pretty much everything within the parameters of that style of music that I'd wanted to do. The thing that I most remember about New Harlem was the tightness. It was a band that didn't read, but the front line playing very complicated for us stuff, entirely from memory and from feel and getting it right every time and the band just lifting through a key change or whatever it happened to be and feeling that we we had the audience right there with us all of the time. It was the most professional, most committed and most musical band that I've ever played with. The New Harlem band just, if it liked a tune, it took it and made it its own. And I think that was Ian's legacy, that I this idea that if a song's any good, just take it. If a tune's any good, just take it and do with it whatever you want to do. And that was true right up to the end. Roger Bealby has been involved in the Australian traditional jazz scene since the 60s. He's been a promoter, historian and a collector and a long-time presenter of Jazz on a Saturday, the 3CR radio show presented by the Victorian Jazz Club. Roger remembers seeing and hearing the Royal Harlem Heptet at the Geelong Jazz Festival. It was late in 68. It was July or August. I thought they were fantastic. And I have for the whole life of the band. And I think I liked them because they were different. They got in and played tunes by people some of whom I'd not heard of until they played the tune. I learned so much from from going and listening to the band. And they were always happy and and played hot and seemed to be enjoying what they were doing, which I love. I loved the atmosphere at the Abbey when the New Harlem were playing. And I thought the acoustics at the Abbey were probably the best of any of the jazz clubs that I'd been to around Melbourne. I think New Harlem should be remembered for the wide range of fantastic tunes that they played, the the happiness that they projected from stage. In the era from the 60s, 70s and into 80s, they'd have to be amongst the, the two or three best bands in that era. This podcast wasn't possible without the assistance and support of many people. 
A big thank you to the band members who were willing to be interviewed and collectively told this story. Apologies for having to leave out much of the over 20 hours of interview material collected. In particular, thanks Ian Smith. Your vision and determination got the ball rolling and set the band on a path it continued to follow for 20 years. You should be proud of what you achieved, forming and leading New Harlem for a very productive first half of its existence. The assistance of the Australian Jazz Museum was invaluable, in particular thanks to the collections manager Mel Blatchford and Ken Simpson-Bell. Thanks to Jeff Tobin and Roger Bilby for their assistance and encouragement. And of course, thanks to all you supporters of the band who turned up to hear the New Harlem at thousands of gigs over the years. And some of you even handed over $7 for a vinyl record. It's time to say goodbye. The band recorded and released more than 80 tracks over the 20 years. Early in this episode, we heard three of the four tracks recorded at Dex Studios in 1988 and included on the final compilation cassette. We'll finish with the fourth track recorded at that session, the last recording by New Harlem. It's the New Orleans classic, Panama. <laughs>
You've been listening to episode eight of Who Walks In, the story of the New Harlem Jazz Band. This has been the last episode. Thanks for listening. Who walks in when I walk out? Who gives you that hearty high? Baby, who's that who I'm talking about? You can learn more about the band and contact us at whowalksin.com. Look forward to hearing from you. This has been a Wasting Time production. Thank you.